Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casaza. Rounding the bases one more time with Will Aldrich here. Talk Mountaineer Baseball. Final regular season series. I don't think I can put it in enough words, so let's just keep it simple here, Will. Enormous. Wrong? Right? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think you're going to overstate. I mean, this is really, a, I feel like, a program-defining series that uh, that they got in their hands here. So I don't think you can overstate that at all. It's incredible to think about the fact that this this program that in 2010, they had a meeting with a whole bunch of you know pro players, MLB personnel, donors, athletic department officials. And the idea was making a decision on the future of baseball. When I say that, I mean, like, do they get rid of baseball? And if they're not going to get out, they're going to get in, but they really got to get in. That ends with building a stadium, hiring Randy Macy, so on and so forth. And here we are, you know, sometime later, a process for sure. But this is this is aiming towards something that seems like it's a little bit more consistent, more common, more often than not. If you just look at the past half a decade of results, this would be three regional appearances in four years. Might have had yeah. one. During the COVID year, they thought they were pretty good that season. That got cut pretty early. And then not only that, but could be a conference champion, could be a top eight seed, which means a regional, but also potentially a super regional. This season might set records for certainly attendance, but also wins. It's going to come with some individual accolades on the field and on the bench. A whole lot at stake. Not going to change necessarily with the outcome of one weekend, but boy, if they could put a punctuation mark, on this and and will win the big 12 at texas that is that's legacy stuff isn't that's, it no that's that i mean that's coming full circle you're talking about the most arguably the most storied program um across division one baseball a team that you know is west virginia's held their own during some of their best seasons but i mean to to be able to clinch a big 12 championship regular season title in austin um would be enormous for the program um you know, maybe even would would show more than than doing it at home would, I think. Anecdotally, last season at Holly Field was the first season of the Big 12. I'm pretty sure I have all these years matched up. But Texas came to town that year, and Roger Clemens was st- sitting in the bleachers watching his kid play. And, like, those are, like, Little League bleachers. Um, and now you've got 4,000 people coming to a midweek game at a minor league ballpark that is a great experience, has great views, and, and it now hosts one of the best teams in the country and may have postseason baseball here for the second time in four years. This is pretty exciting stuff, which we can talk to when the NCAA Tournament Committee gets together and does their seedings and all that. But for now, 
outline the magic numbers and the scenarios for us here. Well, I think I have it. I know you have it. So I'm going to defer to the expert. Yeah. So, so pretty much what we have here is a, a three game series this weekend. West Virginia needs at least one win to have a share of the big 12 regular season title. Um, obviously Oklahoma state is, is right on West Virginia's tail right now. Um, so worst case scenario, we'll start there. They, they, well, I guess worst case scenario would be they, they get swept, obviously. But worst case scenario that they could still um, have a share of the title would be one in, one win in Austin, uh, Austin um, which could um, obviously result in a share with Oklahoma State. However, if they win two games, it's theirs and theirs only. Um, and then when um, if they were to tie, uh, West Virginia does have um, Having beaten Oklahoma State two out of three, um, they would they would earn that one seat for the Big 12 tournament. Um, and Oklahoma State would go to two. So need one win for a share, two wins, and it's all theirs. Texas five and three against West Virginia the past three seasons, including two and one at home two seasons ago. It's Texas. They're at home. It's it's going to be big crowds, a whole lot on the line. They have a stake in this too. They go three and zero. Oh. They're the Big 12 champions. So West Virginia finishes, I believe, third. Um, so again, not not insignificant for Texas here. I'm sure they don't want to see a team hoist the trophy on their field. And don't forget, by the way, these two teams kind of chirp at each other a little bit, if, if you remember this. Yep. But uh, two years ago, Big 12 tournament, a lot of back and forth. Um, you can find the clips on social media. Texas took great delight in knocking West Virginia out of the tournament. I'm sure that hasn't been forgotten on either side. That'll add up here. First time ever, Will. Top 10. Yeah. That's that's rare air, obviously. It's important territory to be in. Recruiting is so important. And then again, if you're pointing your arrow in a certain direction, you keep doing this, that matters. So once is great, twice, three times. That's awesome. You got to start somewhere. That's cool. They can do something. But we are talking in presumptive terms about top 16, maybe top eight. And you look at where they are in the polls. Yeah, that would make sense. You know this, I know this. The polls are, they can be scattered. There's a lot of them. The NCAA doesn't recognize all of them, but does some of them. And that's not necessarily the same as what the selection committee is going to use. Explain to me a little bit about the metrics that work for, work against West Virginia. Top 16 seed, top 16 seed seems in the bag, but you really want to get in top eight or darn close. So if you are one of the top teams in the super regional round, should you get there, then you have more home games for postseason baseball. That's a huge bonus. What should people be paying attention to that's on paper now, but also that that could be amplified, exaggerated, elevated with a good weekend at Austin? Yeah, the, the two things I'm looking at are right now you look at West Virginia's conference record, um, 15 and six. You know, if, if they are able to secure um, a Big 12 regular season title, I think that would do it to get into the. Um, into that top eight spots, you also have to look at RPI um, updated today. It has West Virginia at number 17. Um, strength of schedule obviously goes into that. So um, that obviously is going to hurt them a little bit. Uh, but at this point, all they can do is is just go out and win. And if they're able to win two out of three, um, I think that would that would solidify themselves in that top eight seeds, which in the event that they're able to move on past the regionals, um, they would also be able to host a super, super regional best two out of three. Um, against another team so I think win two out of three against Texas and you're certainly in that that top eight I believe at this point okay I want to get into how they're going to line things up against Texas but before we look ahead let's look back a little bit here too um this is the only big 12 program that did not lose three in a row last year I 
believe the same is true this year with one season, one series left. So knock on wood, I guess, if you're a fan of the Mountaineers. But 10-2 and two after a loss this year, again, they avoid losing streaks. I don't know if, if the, the mood in the stands or around the, the fandom matches what it was like on the field. But I think in the stands, people were pretty disappointed by what they saw Friday against Texas Tech. Thrilled, obviously, about what they saw Saturday and Sunday. But there is another shoe mentality among fans and among just people in general when it comes to something going so well, it can't possibly continue. When does the bottom fall out? And then you have that game Friday where I think you would say this, well, just uncharacteristic of this team and then really punch back, look like an angry and purposeful team a day later. But you're around the team. What do you think the mood was before Friday, after Friday? And then and then how much of an outlier was that performance? It didn't seem like it was, you know, indicative of a struggle, but I think people on the outside were worried. I don't know what it was like on the bench in the dugout. Yeah. Yeah. So, so first of all, I'll start off with the point you made. Um, they hadn't lost three in a row. They, didn't, they never lost three games in a row last season. Um, that was kind of Randy Maisie's biggest pitch uh, for the Mountaineers to get in to a regional last season. It didn't happen. And it's very similar this year. They have not lost three games in a row. They're 11 and two, I believe at this point coming off a loss. That's something that, that Randy's really proud of. Um, and, and he believes is, uh, looking back into some of the, his best teams that he's had, um, that's that's been kind of a constant theme of those teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that you're kind of talking night and day between Friday and Saturday's game. Um, certainly from what fans have come to expect from this team, um, really just doing the little things. They, they're able to get bunts down, they hit and run, they execute the little things really well. Uh, I think that's what fans have kind of come to expect this season. And it really got off to about as rocky of a start um, as you could imagine. They um, just seemed out of sorts. Um, you know, I hate saying that the effort wasn't there or, you know, stuff like that, because it, they're certainly trying to win every single game at this point. But it, it just came down to execution. You know, they weren't able to get uh, a particular bunt down. Um, that cost them a big inning. Um, they had a, a pitch clock violation um, that ran them out of an inning. They had some troubles on the base paths, um, which which kept them off the board. And it, it, it just got to a point in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning where you just got to kind of got the sense that it wasn't their day. This is baseball. I mean, games like that happen. I wasn't super worried about it. Um, but I, you know, that's not to say that I was not impressed with how they came out Saturday afternoon. Um, like I said, night and day. I mean, that was a remarkable turnaround, the way that they were able to wipe a clean slate, like Randy said after the game, um, and just go back to the way they've been playing all season. Um, being able to get, the, get do those little things, get the bunts down, um, the hit and runs, get out of situations um, with runners on base. Um, and uh, just kind of be able to re hit the reset button. And not only that, but hand Texas Tech their single worst loss of the season. That was a 17 to two loss for Texas Tech. Um, they had five players with multi-hit games, really a, a lot of guys had had standout games, Grant Hussey in particular with the two home runs, but just, yeah, so remarkable the way they were able to wipe this, wipe the clay, slate clean um, and, and move on and, and still be able to win that series. It seemed ticked off Saturday, did they not? Yeah, I mean, they, they said it after the game. That, that wasn't them. They knew that wasn't them. They knew they were better than that. Maybe there was a little bit of embarrassment there, just, just talking to Randy after the game. Just, you know, they know that, that they can play at a, at a much higher level than they did Friday. And uh, they didn't seem to, you know, like, you know, you don't, you don't want to come in Saturday swinging for the fences. Um, they just 
forgot about it, uh, moved on like any good team does. And, uh, you know, laced up their cleats Saturday, ready to go. I don't want to belabor the point here, but that never losing three in a row thing. Um, yeah, good teams are going to avoid losing streaks. But like that's that's such a simple thing to fall into in baseball. For example, you know, you played two really good games Friday, Saturday against a big 12 team. Maybe you go one and one, maybe you go two and oh, but who knows? You know, it could be offensive showcases and all of a sudden your Sunday starter isn't great and your pitching staff is beat up and you just lose a game on Sunday that is circumstantial. It just happens in college baseball. Then you play that midweek game and you're putting different pitchers out there. You're trying to get guys some at bats or some innings. It's not your best team all the time. And maybe you lose that one to a team that is from a mid-major conference and wants to max out against a major conference opponent. And you lose that one. And then you're, you're home or you're on the road against the Friday starter in a Big 12 game. You may pitch great and hit well, but the other team may have better hitting and pitching, one or the other, sometimes both. And then the next thing you know, you've kind of had a Sunday game that can happen. You faced a really motivated team from a mid-major conference in a midweek game, and then you just had a Friday night starter or your Friday night starter just got beaten in a duel. And next thing you know, it's three losses. That hasn't happened to this team, and it can. So I think teams frequently pin up things that, other teams cannot and who knows what it means and that may seem like sort of a trivial matter maybe it's trivia but it is kind of important when you look at things because things can turn so quickly which leads me to what you're saying there and not to single out one person but grant hussey had had a rough friday against texas tech um failed to turn a double play and maybe he lost track of the outs maybe he just didn't think he had it and he could have pulled the trigger and he didn't but that cost him a run and then i believe he was over four or four strikeouts i know that's true but i think he saw 15 pitches do the math. Um, that's not great, right? That's 12 strikes right. in pitches, and he seems to get beat on off-speed stuff sometimes. And then he's just walking through at-bats the next couple of days where he's mashing and he's getting extra base hits, and then they really started to pitch around him too because they realized that the guy who hit the ball out of the park twice one day could do it the next. He was dynamic. Um, I don't want to say he's a talisman for their lineup, but, boy, when that big left-handed bat, who is a underrated defender, I think, but when he's in the lineup and he's confident, he's striking the ball. Uh, we're looking at a guy who's up near 280 now, which is not something you think about often when you come to a, a guy who maybe strikes out more than he should. But you're looking up now, 13 homers, high RBIs, high average, good defense. Seems like he's a really important part of what's going on right now, but also what has to happen in the future too. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously the scouting report for for the Red Raiders was J.J. Weatherall at the top of the order, you know, that one, two, three. Um Obviously, you throw Landon Wallace in there. I think you mentioned this earlier in the season, but you, know, you can't sleep on him. Um, he, I, I'll, I'll double down on what I said early in the season. I think he has, you know, just as much, uh, you know, he has just as much promise as, as really anybody else in that order. You know, when he's hot, he really makes it look so easy, and you know, he has such a simple stroke. Um, he, he was using hitting the gaps. Um, obviously, he had the two home runs, and uh, although he did have that that poor Friday game with the four strikeouts. Um, Randy, you know, he was assured that that this stretch that he's been on has actually been his kind of the last 10 games has has been some of the best baseball he's played all season. Um, and and his, his numbers have certainly backed that up. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, now let's look immediate future here. You and I chatted about this briefly beforehand, and, and we need to have a conversation about this because it's it's very interesting what the heck they're going to do with their pitching staff. And we have spent a lot of time on the identity and the performance of the Sunday starter this year. It's been up and down. There have been guys that they found who've been hot, and then all of a sudden it hasn't worked. Robbie Porco, the latest example of that. Um, but also when you get to these late season moments here this is a thursday friday saturday tournament or excuse me series because the tournament starts on wednesday so they give teams an extra day by pulling that series forward that's why there's no midweek game this week for example um so you have thursday friday saturday as opposed to friday saturday sunday you can explain why that shift is important but also it's not necessarily going to be your ace your number two and your number three in that order it might be but also you have to go about this weekend in a way to set up for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the, the big 12 tournament the following week. Um, I guess let's talk about what, what we expect. We don't know anything. Randy Mazie usually keeps that pretty close to his chest. Maybe they put something on paper beforehand, but not right now. Um, that's a long ways away, but how do you think this weekend shapes up? And then how, what type of effect do you think the big 12 tournament has on decisions they make about this weekend? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because although, West Virginia is obviously in a, in a spot they've never been where they care so much about getting that first regular season title. Um, but at the same time, they have to be cognizant of innings moving forward into the big 12 tournament. Um, and, and like you said, Randy hasn't really said anything about what he's going to do. He certainly has a lot of options, um, whether he wants to maybe put that usual Sunday starter starter in that Friday spot Um you know, I, I think Estridge, I'm just going to keep hammering that home. I, th- I think he would be a good person to put in that role. Uh, my gut is just telling me that he's going to stick with more more of the same kind of Hampton Friday uh, or Thursday, rather, um, and then move on with Traxel and Estridge. But, I mean, there's, there's you know, so many different ways that he could take this um, just to try to manage innings. And, and again, like I said earlier, he has a number of guys that can eat up kind of middle relief innings, whether it be, you know, Hageman or, um, you know, guys like that. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what starters he announces, uh, in the coming days. Just some numbers for you here. Here are your true freshman pitchers, Robbie Porco, David Hageman, Gavin Van Kempen, Carson Estridge, Maxiel. That's correct, right? Yes. Innings pitch Porco 34 and a third. Hageman, 28.1. Van Kempen, 25. Estridge, 24. Yell, 21.1. Obviously, Porco a little bit more because he's been a starter. They've stretched him out longer. But I wonder if they have a plan for a max on the on the number of innings, regular season, postseason. They're all pretty much in the same vicinity, and one a little bit more than the other, obviously. Max Yell's out for a little bit. He's back now. Um, I think they have a plan here long-term. Maybe they've been shaping this for a while. So that's one thing to think about there. They probably have these guys all geared up to to go they have some innings left they're not maxed out if those numbers were at like 65 70 you might be worried about that um right a question for you would you go friday saturday sunday rotation on thursday friday saturday or would you flip things around a little bit 
What would you do? You said you said maybe more of the same. What would you do? Yeah, I, I, if I was Randy Major, I would just stick with what we've been doing from the start. Uh, I would start off Ben Hampton. I would have Blaine Traxel in that second game, and then I would go Carson Estridge in Game Three. Um, I, you know, given the fact that they just have to win one game for a share of the Big Twelve, I'd rather try to capture that um, right in that first game, that that Thursday game. Um, you know. I could see an instance in which they would put an Estridge or a Porco in that Thursday, um, but but if it was me, I would I would just stick with more of the same. You're, you, you know, Ben Hampton's used to to starting games off, um, and uh, if they can obviously secure that first game right there on Thursday, then maybe they take it easy with Traxel game two. That opens up some innings later on. Um, but I would just stick with the way it's been going all season. All right, let me throw you some counterpoints. You ready? Let's hear it. I kind of like Thursday. I kind of like saying what you're saying because it's a bit different. I mean, there's something to be said about keeping your guys on Friday, Saturday schedule. So if you pitch your Friday guy on Friday, game one, game two, what does it matter? He's on a schedule. But I wonder if you're going to pull him up in the postseason. So maybe maybe Hampton's your Wednesday starter. If you don't want your ace going on Wednesday against the eight seed, I don't know. That's an interesting one. But if you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's it's pretty easy for your Thursday starter to be ready again on Wednesday or to have an extra day and be ready on Thursday next week. So I could see keeping that. Um, my other thing is that if if something goes bad on that first day, if Hampton doesn't have it, if Texas mashes lefties, whatever, now he, now he creates some pressure. And then who knows the Traxel? He pitches the contact. He's had a great season. Don't get me wrong, but he's also given up 14 home runs, and that can happen at Texas. I just wonder if you want to put a whole lot on a freshman, whichever one or however many pitch in that Sunday game. But – that also seems a little bit, a little bit like living in your fears. I'm not sure this team does that. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. Um, Thursday and Friday, there's a chance that West Virginia is going to face two of the best starting pitchers that they've faced all season: uh, Lucas Gordon, a lefty, 2.71 ERA, and then LeBron Johnson Jr. Uh, he's a right-hander, 2.76. So two sub-three ERAs in the first two games of the season. Maybe you match up. Um, a Ben Hampton maybe a little bit later against um, against whoever they they try to put out in that third game. Um, so yeah, j- just something to keep an eye. I mean, Texas has the lowest team ERA in the Big Twelve, um, and a lot of that is on those those first two starters' shoulders. The other thing is too is they could go zero and two and still win the Big Twelve. Um, they'd have to win that Sunday game, but like Oklahoma State could be out of the way. But like as long as they don't get swept by Texas, you're fine. So it, it's very interesting how to do this, and I just wonder how much of like. I think the focus obviously is on just finding a way to win two, at least that's been their MO for a while, but there are some dominoes to move around here too. Um, let's kind of uh, wrap up by going off the radar a little bit here too. Um, I don't know if Hageman counts as off the radar, but he was great the other day. And by the way, he's I think third on the team in appearances now behind Reed and short who have their own niches in this, this pitching staff here. Short is kind of like a guy who bridges you. He'll get you from, I don't know, a starter who goes for two outs until he can get you into the bullpen. He can get you from your middle relief to your closer. He's really viable. He does seem like he gets action early in games. And obviously, Reed's turning into one of your premier closers in the conference and maybe beyond. Hageman looks like he just belongs out there, too. Where did this come from, and, and what's the ceiling for him? Maybe not just this season, but going forward. We have not talked a lot about him, especially in comparison to guys like Estridge or Van Kampen or Porco. Yeah, you're right. We haven't talked about him, and, and he certainly deserves his flowers. I mean, you're looking at a, a future Friday, Saturday guy. I think Randy's super high on him. Um, 
obviously being able to come in and, and quiet things down. Um, it, you know, he pitched, you know, three and two thirds shutout innings. Um, don't even think he allowed a hit during that span. Just really was able to shut down the top offense in the Big 12. I don't think that can be overstated. I mean, um, obviously we thought it was going to be J.J. Weatherhill, Kevin Cash, kind of, uh, Kevin Cash kind of going back and forth. They were able to hold him to one hit and 10 runs over three games. Um, big credit to the bullpen, but getting back to Hagerman, yeah, I, I think his ceiling is an all-conference starting pitcher as in that Friday, Saturday spot. Um, I think that he'll take that turn next season. I, I saw somebody comment in one of the message boards about maybe giving him a start. I don't think that would be the right move now. I, I mean, he's pretty locked into that bullpen role um, and a, a guy that's kind of flown under the radar, um, which, uh, I mean, is wrong. He, he, he's put up the numbers to be talked about. Um, by the way, redshirt freshman. I think I called him a fresh, a true freshman before. He's a redshirt freshman. Also, he's just six four. I don't know what they're thinking. Recruiting guy, he's just six four. He had a rough day against Oklahoma State. One and a third, five runs, five earned. Um, they run him out there against TCU. One third of an inning gives up one run. I believe it was a home run. Uh, since then, he has thrown nine in the third innings without giving up a run or an earned run. He he has been on a burner lately. So I imagine they'll probably try to keep that going. And you're right. Why start him when he's got such a good thing going in the bullpen? Anybody else, anything else that you've covered this team expertly, people have followed this a long time now and, and kind of know the heartbeats and the, the red flags and the green flags for this team. What are some things that stand out to you that could be positive or negative from recent performance or maybe future indicators of, of highs or lows in this final season, this final series here and then the postseason? For me, it's just the depth in the back end of the bullpen to eat up innings. Um, you know, you look at that series finale. Um, Randy said after the game, and, and this doesn't surprise me, but he's never had to take a, a pitcher out without recording a single out in their rotation or in their uh, start. Um, you just don't see that. Like, I think there was a lot of groans as he was, as Porco was walking off the mound. Um, like the fact that they were able to eat up nine innings from the bullpen against, like I said, again, the top offense in the big 12, that was super impressive. And especially considering a lot of the guys are a lot younger and have multiple years. I hate to already kind of look forward to the next season and the season after that, but this bullpen is stacked and a lot, a number of these guys are going to turn into starters. Some of them will obviously specialize in the bullpen. Um, and, and I think kind of the overarching message here is that if a start doesn't go well, there are a number of guys that can back it up, you know, Porco, you know, say he gets another start and, and maybe isn't able to make it that far. You know, like we said, Hagerman, Estridge, these guys can eat up innings and keep West Virginia in the game, you know, while the while the bats get hot. So that's super encouraging to me. What do you think of Grant Siegel? Do you got to get him into a game this weekend? Do you figure that he's a fourth starter perhaps in postseason play? Um, and this is a this is our Sunday starter early in the season. He's pitched twice at a relief in May. Yeah, I mean, just kind of the way things have gone, I, I don't see a start for him. Um, I mean, he, he's obviously coming off that freshman season he had at Tulane. I mean, super big talent. Um, uh, just another guy you could add to that list in the bullpen. I don't see him getting a start, um, just kind of going off his role over the last month or so. Um, but, I mean, he you can just, like I said, add him to the list, Estrogen, Hageman, and Siegel, guys that can eat up innings as – kind of pseudo starters um, backing up somebody who maybe didn't have their best stuff. I believe you're going to have something on this soon. I don't want to give it away, but they have been able to fill out a lineup card pretty consistently, not just the same people every game, but when they have a spot, it frequently falls to a true freshman. 
Um, you've been high on Ellis Garcia. We've seen Sam White. We've seen Logan Solve. They have some bats there, and then this will be new for them. I understand that, but what's your outlook for that that true freshman component on the field in the lineup here? We've talked about the pitching so far, so good. Postseason's different. I get that, but these freshmen that they have on offense have, have really helped them keep their lineup together and keep a good thing going offensively. Yeah, I mean, offensively and defensively. I mean, we talk about Logan Save. The season he's had hasn't been talked about nearly enough. Being able to come in as a freshman and put up really great at-bats against, you know, upperclassmen, some of the top pitchers in the league. Um, being able to do that as a freshman, as a catcher, you know, such a relationship-based connection with your pitchers, I think it's going to be huge. He's a guy that's going to walk right into that starting role after Dane Leonard. Um, you know, his eligibility obviously expires. And to just have him kind of learning as a freshman on the fly as a DH, I think was a, is a perfect situation for Randy Mazie before he ultimately inserts him as the starting catcher next season. Um, and yeah, like I said, just giving great at-bats, the bottom of the lineup, a lot of freshmen, Ellis Garcia coming up with some two out hits. Um, just, it just speaks to the depth of this team. And although, you know, if they wouldn't have played as well, maybe looked at as a weakness, but you know, they've been kind of thrown into the fire and they've executed really well. So props to them. We'll, we'll let you go on this here. Um, let's talk awards, not national, but big 12. You're going to have some West Virginia representation here too. Uh, player of the year, pitcher of the year, freshman of the year, newcomer of the year, coach of the year, um, all freshman team. Let's talk about some people who are going to be wearing gold and blue on these lists here. Um, I don't think I'm going out on any limb here so, or stealing your thunder that J.J. Weatherhold is probably going to be your Big 12 player of the year based on the way he's going. I can't imagine like a bad series is going to do it for him. And then I don't know why Randy Maisie wouldn't be the coach of the year. If that doesn't happen, then it's probably going to be somebody from either Texas or Oklahoma State. I get that. Perhaps Kansas State. They've had a good season, too. West Virginia's six in the preseason poll um, to be the champion or in the in at the very end. Have a hard time thinking it's not him. Pitcher of the year, freshman of the year, newcomer of the year. Any chance that West Virginia is represented in, in one, two, or three of those awards? The ones I'm looking at right now, uh, I mean, we can just put it to rest. I, I think with this last series, I think J.J. solidified his spot as Big 12 Player of the Year. I was kind of hyping up this series a little bit more, like I said, as the two Titans kind of going at each other with Weatherholt and Cash. Cash was held 1 through 10. Weatherholt obviously started the season strong and is really finishing it stronger after that minor injury where he missed a few games. Um, he went three for four and his average didn't go up at all. Just, I, I think it's it's fair to say he's going to get that award right now. Like you said, I think Randy also, coach of the year, Randy Maisie, I think that should go to him just given where they were picked to finish and where they are now. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. The other ones that are interesting, um, Carlson Reed, he certainly deserves so many props um, for kind of how he's, owned his role in the bullpen obviously he um you know you look at some of the top guys and i think there's this thing where people think that to be pro talent you have to eventually make that transition to a starter he's proven that wrong he's owned his role in the back end of the bullpen and and really dominated in that role um so he is certainly in the running for for kind of an all big 12 first team and uh and traxel as well as as a newcomer of the year is certainly going to be in that conversation as well. Just you, know, you look at those complete games he has it's going to be pretty tough to ignore that for uh for big 12 player of the year. So he'll certainly be in the running for that. And again, all freshman team, that's going to have some West Virginia names and that'll be a couple years in a row. They've done that, which is a good thing for the development of the program. Um, 
There was a time you didn't see freshmen playing a lot of baseball at West Virginia. Now you're seeing that and all that, but mattering too and getting recognized for that too. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. These are these are all on the Longhorn Network, are they not? Yep. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, yep. I don't think that West Virginia is going to have to deal with this again. Um, evidently, they have told some people that they are not playing Texas next year in the Big 12 <laughs> schedule. So this will be the last one. So um, I don't know. If you really care about baseball, you're going to have to hook yourself up at the Longhorn Network or find someone who has it. Share some passwords. Don't tell them that I said that was okay. But I don't think anybody's going to complain about taking some money out of the Longhorn's pocket right now. Uh, Will, great job as usual. I think people have really enjoyed the access, the content, the video, all that. Um, here's to a couple more series here, regular season, postseason. What do you say? Let's do it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. That is Will Aldrich. We will talk to you then. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.